My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. Today in the sound booth with me is the amazing Jay Guilford. And Jay is going to tell you all about himself. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about how we met. So, so Jay and I originally met through Disrupt HR. He had applied to be a speaker at Disrupt HR, our very first event in Barbados. And as most of you know, COVID-19 came and we had to put folks in that. Um, We were able to eventually have our first event in October, but unfortunately, Jay was unable to make it uh, because the U.S. is still pretty much on lockdown. But we are here today to have this amazing conversation as it relates to workplace bullying and why I feel that it is important for us to have that conversation right now, especially in the virtual space. I'm hearing so much complaints from people about still being bullied while they're working from home. And I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. And so does Jay. So we're gonna talk a lot about that. But in the meantime, beautiful people, welcome to the sound booth. Jay Guilford, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Julie. I am so excited to virtually meet you. I am, I I understand the restrictions and I'm still disappointed about my trip from Las Vegas to Barbados. I know. Yeah. All in good time, all in good time. So let's get this party started, Jay. Tell us a little bit about who Jay Guilford is and what, how did you get to this stage in your career? What, what do you do and how did you get there? Uh, yes, you got it right. My name is Jay James Guilford. So if you search me on LinkedIn, you will see James Guilford, but it's Jay Guilford. That's what I prefer. I am a leadership strategist and I'm the president and owner of a leadership consulting firm called CoWorks. What we do is we enter organizations on the highest levels of leadership, and we work um, in tandem with leaders and HR professionals to really shift the culture of organizations. Currently, we've been focusing a lot on workplace toxicity and workplace bullying. So what we've been able to do with a lot of leaders and large companies is to help them shift their perspectives, help train team members around things like feedback and conflict management and dealing with stress and emotional intelligence at work. And then we're able to shift the leadership, which then helps us shift the culture. Um, Me and my team of partners have worked with organizations far and wide all around the world, Google, Adobe, Microsoft, MasterCard, Club Mint, Punta Cana, Kmart Australia, which is actually Wow. A $6 retail giant. You think when people say Kmart in the U.S., in the like, US. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a $6 billion retail giant. And we worked with them right before they had acquired Target. And we've worked with divisions of Procter & Gamble. And we also work with smaller organizations. So okay. we have a wide range of skills. Um, we have a wide range of experience. And right now, we're really, really interested in helping um, leaders and team members get trained around how to tackle workplace toxicity. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I remember at one point, I saw a slogan where you said I work with a bunch of clowns. 
I, yeah, I should, I should probably mention that part. Tell so, us a little bit about that. <laughs> that. The shiniest thing on my resume is Cirque du Soleil, the Circus of the Sun. Um, I was there for uh, six, seven years. And primarily what people most noticed is that I developed Cirque du Soleil's corporate training program. So there was some internal stuff that we did. What was really popular was the work that we did bringing corporations on to Cirque du Soleil, I should be able to say that, Cirque du Soleil <laughs> stages yeah. in order to teach them collaboration, communication, and trust. And Julie, what that meant was, yeah, we put Google inside of an apparatus and we flew them, you know, 40 feet in the air. So it was a really fabulous experience. I yeah. led the development of that program and it taught me a lot and it taught corporations a lot. So yeah, I did work with a bunch of clowns. I yeah. literally- Work with a bunch of clowns. <laughs> She's the only person that probably could say that without it meaning that you work with a bunch of, you feel like the people you work with were a bunch of clowns. They really were clowns. I will, I will, I will not comment on that part. Until <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, really I worked with a lot of artists. Like it was interesting to work with contortionists, you know, pyrotechnicians, Olympians, um, scuba divers. I, I mean, at any point in time, I found myself on a stage that was made of water, a stage that was rotating. And it really um, taught me a lot about leadership and collaboration and trust. Yeah, amazing. We will come back to that. I'm sure we will. <laughs> Our core conversation today is with regards to, just as you said, workplace toxicity and workplace bullying. Could you please give us, give the audience a, a definition of what you see as workplace toxicity? Well, it's interesting because a lot of people are throwing the word around. So it's really great that we start with what it means. Workplace toxicity, uh, it can be infighting, politicking, it can be a, a directly aggressive behavior, or it can be more overt behind the back behavior, back channeling, anything that um, disrupts, that causes emotional distress and that can disrupt someone's personal emotional feelings at work mm -hmm. and something that can hinder work product. It's really interesting when I talk to leaders to say that what your intent is, is different from the impact. So if the impact is toxicity and that's the feedback that you're getting, we need to change your behavior. Yeah. So toxicity is not about your intent as a leader or as an organization. It's about the impact that it has on the individual. Mm -hmm. And another thing I will say about that, Julie, is uh, leaders often say, and we get them here, they often say, well, what if people are reporting things that I'm not intending? I said, that's where trust comes in. Yeah. If you trust your team and you have a culture of trust, then trust that if six people are saying that they're experiencing toxicity, if one person is saying they're experiencing yeah. toxicity, but especially if there's a majority, yeah. then you change the culture. If there's one person, you need to work with them to get uh, them and the organization aligned with what they need. So it's not about what you intend. It's about what the team members are experiencing. Right. And you know, it's funny, as you said that, I've always said to people, you know, your perception is your reality. And so if it's something that you're feeling that's making you uneasy, making you uncomfortable, and you voice that, and, and you're hearing it from more than one person, then it's definitely something that you need to address, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So when it comes to work organizational toxicity, um, I know many people feel that toxicity just exists 
the employee level. So it's employees bullying employees or maybe managers bullying employees. But there are a couple of things I really want to touch on, and that is bullying at the leadership level. Because I think a lot of people um, don't talk enough about what happens at the leadership level. We always focus a lot on employees being bullied, meaning being employees and bullying, bullying employees, um, managers or supervisors bullying employees, or the reverse. But there's that moment where you have CEOs, shareholders, um, stakeholders who are bullying their leadership. How do we address this? particular problem? That is a great question. Well, one thing that we know from Workplace Bullying Institute that 62% of bullying is top down. So it is a lot of times about, about power in the organization. And even when it's not top down and it's sideways, it's still about a level of social power. So um, in most cases, power is happening. It usually happens from the top down. I'm going to take a turn and mm -hmm. I want you to breathe with me, Julie, and I okay. want the listeners to breathe with me as I say this. We, a place to begin, and I'm going to pause because this is going to sound counterintuitive, is to develop some level of empathy for the person who's the bully because mm. people hurt people. No one at age seven says, at age 37, excuse my French, I wanna be an asshole boss. No one says that. Mm -hmm. But I found what we found working across organizations and coaching a lot of executives and really having an intimate, candid conversation in closed spaces is that most people haven't been trained to issue feedback directly. No, most people haven't been trained to handle conflict. I will give you an example. I am, have been coaching an executive at a billion dollar entity one of the well-known entries, name brand, if I said it, you'd be like, I've been there. Yeah. And um, he was told uh, in the midst of COVID, he was told, go and lay off, you know, uh, two thirds of your team. He did not handle it well. Mm. As I partnered with HR, as I always did, I, I asked, well, did you, did you give him training on how, how to deal with his emotions around this? They said, no. I said, well, did you give the team members training on how to deal with their emotions around this? No. Have you had any emotional intelligence training? No. Have you had any conflict resolution training? No. So when we understand that the leaders that you see who are bullies have not been trained to handle their emotions at work, and when we understand that you listeners probably have not been trained to handle your emotions at work, it can give us a neutral place to start to say, that this isn't about personality. This is about emotional intelligence and skills that we need. So, so I know that that feels counterintuitive because when I say have empathy for the bully, what I hear people say is that they should know, they should know. And I promise you, I have coached, uh, I would say 50 people who have been accused of bullying. And I promise you in every case, they do not know. They do not, they think that this style will get the best result for the business. Mm. They think that this style will protect them, maybe because they were abused as kids. Um, I'm a victim of some harsh adulting. I was, I mean, I was reared in different ways as kids. Maybe they were taught that aggressiveness is the way to assert power. So if we understand it from that place, 
It does not excuse the bully. No. Behavior must be addressed. And that might be training, that might be uh, giving them a different set of team members, that might be exiting them out. The empathy and the understanding that this is about training is really important. Okay, I, I'm now at Kayla. Yeah. I was holding my breath the whole time. Just because, like, I totally get what you're saying because this is how I was trained. That when you experience a, a bully in the workplace, you need to understand the why mm -hmm. and, and the what brought it about. And a lot of times, what you said is so powerful. Like, let me just, okay, so yeah. a lot of times, you recognize that people get put in leadership positions either because people think they'll make good leaders, but they don't do all the necessary due diligence that is needed to see if the person actually has the emotional intelligence to lead. And I think that that's part of the problem that um, I would put on HR to some extent, but I will also put on the leaders who are making the recommendations for them to be elevated. Um, and I've sat in many experiences where people go, I want to, I want to promote this guy. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. Or, I want to promote this lady. She's a great lady. She's a good lady. She works hard. Blah, blah, blah. But then when you put them in that team where they're leading, they suck. Yes. They suck. They have no capacity, no bandwidth whatsoever. Are you being direct they, enough, Julie, about that? <laughs> yeah, they do. You're right. They suck. Yeah. They suck. Yeah. Thank but I would, say, I would say what, what we call it, we have, um, it'll be in my book, it's coming out soon, but awesome. what we call this is invalid promo code, an invalid promo code where you're promoting people for a lot of great things that have nothing to do with their ability to lead. So people are often promoted because they're the most productive, they're promoted because they are, they're the most senior, they're promoted because they have the most industry knowledge. Yeah. None of that has to do with your ability to lead. We've no. seen, I'm gonna give you an example. I've seen this in a lot of organizations where Raheem is the best cog maker. So we wanna make more cogs. So we make Raheem the head of the cog making factory or team, I should say, or factory mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and what happens is that because he hasn't been trained on how to give feedback, he hasn't been trained on how to manage conflict. He hasn't been trained on how to manage his stress and emotional intelligence. What happens with Raheem, who's the best producer, is that he's given a team. Something happens week one, week two, he doesn't address it. Week four, week five, week six. And then there's a critical moment and he explodes. And then the team falls in order. Yeah. And then something happens week seven, week eight, week nine, week 10, he doesn't address it. Something critical is needed, he explodes. And then over the course of a year or two, um, he becomes a bully boss. It's very gradual. So when you invalidly promote someone for things that have nothing to do with uh, leadership, you are creating a toxic leader. And it's, a, it, and it's a long, slow burn that we really don't see. I have the benefit of having been inside a number of organizations. So I see the patterns. Yeah. Um, so I can say with, um, with certainty, Yes, if you promote people who don't have leadership ability, they're going to become a bully, they're going to become toxic, or they're going to enable toxic behavior on the team. Yes. You're right, Julie. Exactly. Exactly. When? Yes. That's exactly it. I, yes. So yeah. what, I, what I ask you then, Jay, is this. What advice do you have for HR professionals in particular, because that's the majority of my audience, um, in terms of creating the necessary tools and equipment to help persons 
who they want, who leaders want to put into the leadership space to develop um, um, that emotional intelligence that is necessary in order for them to be successful. Because we want to help leaders to be successful. We don't just want to promote people for the sake of promoting them because they're doing a good job. So what tools can HR provide to help leaders succeed in this space? So that's really good. That's a really good question, Julie, because I partner with HR in almost every endeavor. Mm -hmm. So one thing I would say, uh, and it's the easiest thing, is to um, bring in someone to train your teams. That's really important because even if you're skilled inside of the organization, if you haven't seen it across organizations, you may not have the benefit of pattern recognition. So for example, when we come in, and, um, and this is also good to bring in an outsider because um, as a consultant, I can say things that are unpopular and then walk yeah. away. Yeah. So I have the unique position to not have any skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And I can say things to C-level executives and owners that if you're inside of HR, because you work for those people, you yeah. probably can't say it. Uh, and even the best of HR professionals aren't exempt to the power dynamic. So I would say one thing is to bring in someone from the outside and, and let them know the things that need to be said and see, let them say it. And then uh, that along with the case studies from having seen it across organizations creates a type of power and momentum that an HR professional may not have. Um, yeah. Second thing I would say is when you are promoting and uh, when you're hiring and promoting people, it's best to ground that practice in data. Yeah. So if you use something like a predictive index, which is yeah. something we use, do you know predictive index? I know predictive index very well. You well. Talk, you tell yeah. us about how it works. Yeah. I know predictive index and I also use Savile assessment. Yes. Yeah. So I if you use there. data, you can say, so with PI, I've been with HR teams and leaders and I can say, yes, you want Johnny to be the head of the cog making factory but he does not work to and through people. His profile says that he's an introvert. So we need someone who's an extrovert who's gonna to work to and through people. Yes. Or we can say, you want Julie to be in accounting. She is not detailed oriented according to her predictive index. Not you, Julie, the other Julie. Yes. <laughs> not detailed according to her predictive index. So uh, from a job perspective, she's not going to be a fit. So I would say bring in a professional, use data. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that we do, there's a lot of free webinars. We are hosting our last webinar on oh. workplace detox next week. Okay. We do um, webinars for teams of 30 or more for free, a 60 minute webinar, because we want to change this. So you can tune in to free webinars like ours uh -huh. and get those skills for free. Looked on LinkedIn. There's a lot of stuff happening like yeah. that that are low cost or no cost for you. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question to you. So I really appreciate you sharing that because this is COVID times, you know, the first thing a company likes to cut back on is L&D, especially support for their HR department. And so it's always, we're always looking for the free stuff so that we can get to help us because we still want to create a better organization, right? Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I really do appreciate it. And I'm definitely going to check out that webinar because I think it's very important. Yes. So we've tackled um, workplace bullying at the C-suite and almost invariably it tackles workplace bullying on a hold because if you can just see the things that are happening and understand the why and have the emotional intelligence to deal with that, then these are the things that will help to reduce workplace toxicity, right? Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. And I would also say with the individual, there is this moment where you have to trust HR. I know this is a question you asked, like, what is my beef with HR? I'm, I'm yeah. getting myself. I think it's this um, story that people have that they can't trust HR. And that has to do with this. Uh, what I've heard people say is that HR is here to protect the organization. Yeah, I'm not the people. Yeah. And I say, well, maybe that's true. If even if that is the case, which I've been inside of many HR processes, that's not their primary goal. No. If the case, protecting the organization does not mean keeping a bully. Exactly. Uh, so even if that were the case, it's so there needs to be a bridge built between HR and team members such that, such that trust is there. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I love what you said before about, you know, even if HR is protecting the business, it does not mean that you're protecting bullies or you're encouraging workplace bullying. So that's an absolute no-no. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of finding out and then dealing with it accordingly. But I feel like the necessary steps sometimes, we put the cart before the horse. And um, I think it's important for us to understand the steps that we need to take in order to eradicate workplace bullying. Thank you so much, Jay. And I really do appreciate the fact that you are here to support organizations to remove the toxicity that exists. And I hope that you will continue to have every success in, in dealing with this um, very important topic in the workplace right now. Let me ask you this, just by the way, um, have you encountered any situations where you're seeing this happening, particularly virtually as organizations work from home? Would you say that workplace bullying has increased or decreased? Um, I wouldn't say it has increased or de decreased. It's taken a different tone. Mm. Um, yes, I'm, I am working. I Yes, I would say I have seen that. And um, we have some ways of resolving that. What's happening with the virtual space is that because people have their phones at 11 p.m. in their beds, they feel um, they might feel entitled or prompted to dash off a message yeah. because of that person face to face or have a tone that they wouldn't have in person. So it's inciting different personalities and different types of bullying. I would say maybe aggressive messaging, um, back channeling is a big thing that's happening. Like you're on a meeting and then people disagree. So they're texting in the back channel and then they're teaming up. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, people who may, you may thought of, they were a really nice person in person. They have a different tone in email because they don't have to face you in person. So it's inciting a different type of bullying um, yeah. and a different type of toxicity. So even still training about conflict and communication and issuing feedback is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. It's manifesting itself in a different way. And I've heard a lot of people talk about the hybrid workplace or the hybrid office now, which is some people work from home, some people work in the office, um, people are living that nomad life and they're doing things like coming to Barbados and working for a year. Um, what would you say is going to be the tone for organizations going forward um, as we become more hybrid organizations? I think what's going to be really important is to really invest in those training and team building moments. Because what we've seen in some organizations that we're working with is you bring on new employees 
and they've never met their team members physically in person. And depending on where you are in the world and the level of restriction around that, that may not be for another year or two years. Yeah. Organization goes virtually ever. So really thinking about how do you build that sense of team and that sense of communication and trust mm -hmm. when you don't have the physical environment that uh, ignites that. The other thing that people are having challenges with is when you work virtually, you have less of those, what they call cultural clashes, where you interact with people from different departments. And that can hamper innovation because right. I'm not running into the person from yeah. IT. So we're not exchanging ideas about clients. Right. So figuring out a way to do that will be important. I think it's premature to say that the physical space is unimportant. It's, exactly. it's almost premature saying, I, I don't need to take vacation ever. Going into a physical environment and interacting physically it will continue to be important because we're right. human physical bodies and passing by your office and saying something to you or get having an idea and bouncing it off with someone I don't know or the intern overhearing those things in the break room that's about mentoring and communication so as we move into this more virtual space um choreographing ways that that can happen will be really important yeah absolutely I could not agree with you more thank you for sharing your thoughts on that so as we move on, let me ask you, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you want to share with our audience that you think that they will benefit from? Oh, Sean Acor's The Happiness Advantage, the orange book. Okay. Uh, I really appreciated Sean Acor's work, and I hope I'm saying his name right, Sean Acor out of Harvard University because it quantifies the way that civil work environments and promoting happiness and positive cultures actually leads to um, higher profit. Yeah. So a lot of the work that I do is really um, the bottom line of how toxicity impacts profit because a lot of people may not care about, you know, trauma to team members, culture, blah, 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 blah. People do care about how it impacts profit. So yeah. um, on Acorns, the happiness advantage outlines that. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've been paying a lot of attention to is the headlines about toxicity in the workplace, specifically in the U.S. with the Ellen DeGeneres show with um, Gabrielle Union and America's Got Talent with yeah. the Washington railway system. And what's interesting, if you watch those things, there is now a clear uh, connection between what happens in the workplace and what happens with profit. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, one thing that we talk about with organizations, so I would say two things to, to get on is Sean Acor's The Happiness Advantage. There's a lot of podcasts about it too. Yeah. And all of the workplace um, toxicity stuff. Because one thing we've been talking about with organizations is that you don't need to care about trauma to team members. You should, but you don't need to care about that. Culture, maybe you don't. Maybe your, your C-level doesn't necessarily have that on their radar. Right now, for organizations, you're one tweet away from disgrace. So, yeah. so generous shows that, you know, America's Got Talent shows that, the yeah. CDC shows that, the Washington Railway System shows that. So even now with the advent of social media, yeah. um, it's interesting to watch those headlines because for HR professionals, the things that are happening in those organizations are definitely toxic. They are much less dramatic than things I've experienced in my own life. If it's toxic, it's toxic, it's toxic. And if one employee employee takes off their phone and tweets it and a board reporter gets hold of it, 
there you go. So, exactly. uh, so I would say that's those are the two things I've been watching for and, and yeah. reading about. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the things that I focus on for in my consultancy as well, which is just that helping persons to recognize that if your employees are happy, your profits go up. When your organization is toxic, your profits go down because your employees make or break your organization. Yeah. I think it makes more sense to keep them happy than it does to keep them in a toxic space. So, um, yeah, I think we've never drawn the math of it. For us, we see that you know, top, top, your top talent, if your work is, if workplace is toxic, they have a choice and they're going to leave yeah. and they're going to compete against you. They're going to go to your competitors. Yeah. Um, talent that are reading your glass door reviews, top talent, they're not going to apply. Um, now your corporate partners, as we've seen with a lot of these headlines, they're going to take their, they're going to pull away from you because they don't want to be tainted I by your. Exactly. So now we see with social media, I think it's such a powerful tool because I can know if you're toxic from Glassdoor and I'm not going to apply. Exactly. I can go to Glassdoor and report it. I can tweet about it. Or as a corporate partner, I can just pull away and go to someone else who has a very good reputation. So Absolutely. That's, your money. that's your money. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you're, if you're like me, you don't want nobody messing with your money. I don't mess with my money. Don't mess with my money. My but if you're okay with people messing with your money and you're losing billions of dollars and leaving it on the table because you are okay with a toxic environment, Yes. Power to you. (laughs) And we've seen that with Me Too. Like, no one, I love the Me Too movement because, first of all, as a man, it pointed out my male privilege, which I'm I'm becoming more and more aware of. And I'm always, I have it on my radar. And when it's pointed out, I take it. And also, we've seen top executives and huge organizations just get fired because now organizations understand that consumers are making choices about where they put their eyes and their dollars based your reputation and I have a lot of choices so I think ones out of Forbes they said 87 percent of U.S. consumers feel like it's important um the brand and their value and they will get their dollars based on that so it's your money now Julie it's not just culture exactly exactly because we have more options now than we've ever had before so you really you really want to be careful with that so thank you so much for sharing that so the question that I ask everyone, this big question, what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right now? Yeah, I, I think I touched on it before. It is so worth saying again, HR and I have worked with, I don't know, uh, every organization, I don't want to put a number to it, but every organization w- with the exception of a few I partner with the HR teams. And if you go to my website, there's been a lot. There's been yeah. a lot of work. So the misconception is that HR is sided with the C-suite or the owners and HR is working against the team and HR is there merely to protect the organization. I have rarely, if ever, seen that to be true. What I've mostly seen is HR has a process that they're mandated to and that process is not quick. So HR has to follow the process and to be sure that everyone gets fair and legal representation. Yes. So what I see the misconception is, is that when someone's accused of toxicity and HR doesn't immediately fire them, everyone thinks that HR is siding with the bully. Yeah. When HR brings in support to give that person the skills they need, which you want HR to do with technical skills or social emotional skills, yeah. you're siding with the bully. 
or when HR follows the EEOC process. And it takes a while to go through the paperwork. People say they're not doing anything. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the basic misconception I see that needs to be managed. Definitely, definitely. I agree with that 1,000%. And I think that it's um, one of those things that if people really took the time to understand, we we're trying to be fair all around. It's not the easiest job. We have to get all of the facts first. You can't just, you know, deal with someone on one person's word. And sometimes an investigation can take time. Yeah. And then if the person says they need help and they recognize it, then you really want to help them. If the person doesn't care one way or the other, then, you know, we have to make, help leaders to make hard choices. And that's something that we, we bear very heavily on because we still have to sleep at night at the end of it. And so I really appreciate you clearing that misconception because I think it's a very big one and it's a very real one that people have because their perception is their reality. Yes, yes. And, I, and it's interesting too, you get to this moment with a lot of HR professionals where, and you will chime, you'll shake your head, where someone says, I see this happening. And then because of fear, real fear of retaliation, they say, but I don't want to go on the record. So it puts HR in this kind of, challenging place where it's, I have the information, but I have no witness to yeah. validate the information. So I, and I can't just make a blind accusation. No. So they're stuck, you know, so I've seen that a lot too. And it really takes, it really takes us to the ability to embrace the emotional courage to be intelligent, emotionally intelligent and to say, I'm going to take this risk and trust that HR has my back. So yeah. it's, I, you've probably been in that place a lot. Like oh, I don't want to. Yeah. Be so many times. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So many times. Jay, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. You're, you have survived your time in the sound booth. <laughs> oh, I have. You I made it. You made it. <laughs> can you tell this beautiful people where they can find you on social media? Well, first of all, um, we are offering 60 minutes. Only in January and February of 2021, we're offering free 60-minute detox your workplace webinars for teams of 30 or more inside of organizations, absolutely free. There's not going to be any spam. You can email me at j at coworkslead.com. That's J-A-Y at C-O-W-O-R-K-S-L-E-A-D.com and ask about those workshops or call me. Some people call me at 646 386-6558. I'm old school, so you can call me. Okay. Uh, and um, I'm on LinkedIn, just James Gilford Cirque, yeah. and then you'll find me on LinkedIn. Absolutely. That's where I, Julie, you know, that's where I live yeah, most of I do, yeah. on the medium. So look at, look for me there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. I will share all of that information in the comment section of this podcast. Um, and with that being said, you did say you were, you have a book coming out. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, the book is about some um, workplace behaviors that I have seen uh, that are new. It's, it's, we have some new takes on workplace behaviors. So in the book, it's, uh, the working title is uh, Workplace Detox. Ah. And talk about things like ventertainment, which is venting as entertainment at work mm. and how that's toxic. We talk about what we've talked about in valid promo codes and how promoting people for reasons other than their leadership ability can be toxic. And we also talk about this new thing that I've just written about in the medium, it's cool mom complex, which is you have, you know this, you have that boss who prefers to be popular 
more than they want to do their job. Yeah. <laughs> cool mom, instead of doing the job they're being paid for and the reasons why we do these things and how they promote toxicity. So when the book I'm talking about these behaviors that are that are less talked about that enable toxicity because we understand bullying we do talk about bullying but there's some other things that we do like in, in promoting people who are not ready trying to be popular with our direct reports uh that create a high level of toxicity yeah and so I'm, the book is coming i just i'm uh, looking forward to that please let me know where the pre-order link is i'll share that as well thank you so much julie you are welcome Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.